Welcome to the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham. Yo. And my voice is a little wintry today. I can hear it. Can you hear it? Wintry? Yeah. It's winter no. voice where you like, I feel like everybody kind of runs with a little bit of congestion in the winter. Mm. Unless you live in South Florida, then you probably don't because things never change. Man, I was just imagining what your voice will be like in summer if we're going seasonal voices. <laughs> and I immediately thought of Olaf. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking in my head too. In summer. Uh, we also have Katie Wiley with us today. Hello. Katie, we're super excited. You are here. Katie serves on our team uh, here at Lifeway Students and has served on our team for six years, five and a half. Yeah, six, coming up on seven maybe. Look at that. So has been around a while and is a great guest for our, our topic today. Uh, but before we get to that, just wanted to remind you to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Uh, if you haven't done that yet, it helps other people find the podcast as they search for student ministry content, uh, and it helps us know what you think about the podcast. We want to continually make this thing better for you. So let us know what you think, hit some stars and leave some words, and we actually do check that stuff so that we can uh, tweak things along the way. Also wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by The Gospel Project. Uh, in the New Testament, we see lives radically transformed by the presence of Jesus in the flesh. As students walk through the stories of Jesus' relationships, they'll learn that they too can find hope through a personal relationship with him. Because he came and because he is God, he knows our struggles and offers something no other relationship can. In Jesus, hope gets personal. Join us as the Gospel Project journeys into the New Testament this spring. You can learn more online at gospelproject.com slash NT. All right. And with that, we are going to jump into the episode for today. Uh, this is one that I think might be uncomfortable uh, for some people to have normal conversations about. Um, and as a listener, you might at the end of this episode feel a little uncomfortable trying to process through the things that we talk about, but I think it is so important. Uh, speaking from personal experience, this is an area of my life that I neglected for a really, really long time. Uh, and I, I hope that by the end of the episode today, you are challenged to, if you fit in that same category that I was in, that you will be challenged to kind of break out of that and begin doing what it takes to address that issue. Uh, we're going to be talking about emotional health today. So here at the beginning of the year, we talk about goals on this podcast and we talk about uh, reading and we talk about growth and leadership and we talk about growth in ministry. Uh, and I know that you've heard us as listeners talk about all of those things before. And at the beginning of the year, it's a natural time for us to be in the mindset of what do I want to do this year to grow? How do I want my ministry grow? How do I want to grow personally? I want to have X amounts of dates with my spouse this year. I want to read this many books, so on and so forth. I want to lose this amount of pounds or whatever it is. But... I think it's rare that we stop to think about what am I going to do this year to make sure that I maintain or find a place of emotional health. 
And so I want us to spend this episode talking through, uh, Katie, your experiences in uh, jumping in and really seeking to find that place of emotional health and some of the work that you've uh, been doing and things that you've been doing there. Um, of course, John Paul and I have talked about on the podcast before. If you're a longtime listener, you've heard us talk about uh, how we're fans of therapy and that's a good thing and we recommend it that everybody should be a part of that so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while like you're not surprised that uh that that we say we're fans of it but uh i think it's good to pause and just say okay like let's really talk about this and what are some things that you as a pastor can do to seek to be emotionally healthy and uh what are some things that might be keeping you from it um but wanted to do that kind of through Katie, your story, because uh, I know um, just in working together over the last several years that uh, over the last year and some change, you've really jumped in to this area in your own life. So talk to us about uh, kind of what led up to you saying, okay, I have to now address emotional health because you're a driven person you work hard you do like all of those things but then all of a sudden it was like okay I've got to really focus on this area of my life yeah so um, my story starts in 2017 Um, I was pregnant with twins and at 25 weeks um, ended up needing to deliver them via emergency c-section and my boys spent um, 100 and 130 days in the NICU and um, if you haven't been through a NICU stay, there's truly nothing like it. Um, watching one-pound babies fight for their life is something that will change you forever. I mean, uh, talk about a whole new perspective on God and appreciation for life and every breath. Um, it, it was a beautiful journey, a terrifying journey. And the word that I learned to put to it was a traumatic journey. Um, and so 2017, uh, they were born at the end of 2017, and 2018 was just a year of survival for me, mm. um, bringing home medically fragile babies and uh, trying to keep a full-time job and um, trying to be a wife and just trying to adjust to motherhood in general. It was just a really difficult year, and I felt myself slipping away in the sense that I was losing patience at every turn. I felt like every small battle, uh, day-to-day conversations with doctors or conversations at work, like things just became a lot more difficult than they used to. And everything sort of felt like an attack on my system. And the more I started to really reflect on that, I realized that was because of an effect of trauma because my body and my system did feel attacked for so long while we were going through that experience and so my body had learned to process like in that way that every adversity i faced just felt like an attack and Mm. so not just that but i had completely sort of lost myself in this survival mode in just making sure that my babies were healthy and our house was still running and paychecks were still coming in I just sort of lost my sense of joy and uh, it took a long time for me to realize that and sort of snap out of it and say, okay, I think I need to talk to somebody about this because I, I think there was also part of me that was like, okay, if this was really bad, like surely someone else would notice and say something to me. So I kept sort of trying to justify it like, well, this is really not that bad, but it was that bad. And so 
at the very end of 2018, I took a step and said to my doctor, hey, I think I'm really struggling with anxiety. And she kind of laughed at me and said, of course you are. <laughs> um, and so this this was so this my... So like general... You were talking to your doctor, so yeah. it was like normal kind of doctor. And she was my OB, yeah. so she had sort of been with me through the whole She'd process. She'd known your story a little bit. Yeah, yeah. she did. Um, and again, she laughed at me, which was like comforting, but at the same time, I was like, man, you think like you could have maybe suggested this earlier? Mm-hmm. And so she was very quick to say, you know, we can try medication. I want you to go see a therapist. And I was kind of hesitant on medication first. I was like, let me try therapy first, see how that happens. And or see how that helps. And it's a scary thing to, I had been to counseling before, but not on my own. And so it felt like a scary thing to walk into. And I still like felt this natural tendency to say like, well, I'm not that bad. Like, I'm okay. We really, we made it through this situation. My babies are alive, they're healthy, and not a lot of people make it out of the NICU um, with two healthy babies, especially when they're born at 25 weeks. And so I struggled, I think, spiritually too, just like holding gratitude in one hand and grief in the other and trying to, to say like, is it okay for me to not be okay when I'm so thankful to God that we had such a positive outcome? But I began therapy and uh, just really began to process everything that we had been through and sort of just let myself process in a healthy way and allow my feelings about the situation to be validated and allow somebody else to say, hey, what you what you have been through was hard and it was difficult and traumatic. And I think as I've shared my experience with other people, a lot of people will look at what I've been through and say, well, I'm really struggling with anxiety, but I haven't been through anything close to what you've been through. And I think you just can't, there's no scale there. Um, I think everybody has something in their lives, whether it's childhood or, you know, an accident or traumatic health things. Um, like everybody has some something to process through that kind of affects your yeah. your lens of, of life. And so about five or six months into therapy, I was still experiencing some of the physical effects of anxiety, um, really easily frustrated, just really um, not able to concentrate on things. I was not working at my full capacity, like in work, at my job, but also at home too. Um, And so that's when I finally decided to have a conversation with my doctor again about starting medication. And that was just such a scary thing. And it, it felt like to me, my my initial knee-jerk reaction was to feel like I was sort of taking it out of God's hands. Like, if mm. I'm praying for healing in this area, like, why isn't God removing this um, when I'm trying so hard to heal? And uh, just learned and sort of heard God say, like, you know, this can be an answer to prayer. Like, this process, this healing process Um can be an answer to prayer and something you said earlier at our team devotion, you know, like you have to sometimes go through pain um, to make room for God in those spaces. And uh, that was just really true of my healing journey mm-hmm. too. And it's ongoing. So two years out now, my boys are two and some change, still going to therapy, still taking medication and even like started going to a primary care doctor. That's like feels like an adulting thing that I hadn't really (laughs) been doing Um, and having like vitamin levels checked and all that stuff, like other things that can contribute to mental health that are that are physical, but really can take a toll. Um, And so I kind of joke and say that 2019 was the year of mental health. But I think coming through that and taking all those big, scary steps just felt 
it felt really empowering. And I think 2020 is just going to be more of the same. That's good. Thank you for being willing to share your story. I, there were a couple things that stood out to me that I think would be, that I think a lot of people process through. And there are probably some that are involved in youth ministry that are listening to this and thinking, okay, what does it even look like for me? Like I've never even thought about making a plan for this year to check in emotionally. A lot, I mean, we could just be real honest. A lot of you that are listening to this are driver type of people. You want to achieve something and you set goals and habits around that. And the tendency is to just do it in a feelingless, emotionless way and set those things aside or brush them under the rug for the purpose of achieving whatever it is you want to achieve. Or to just survive or to get through. And those things are seen as a distraction. And one of the things that you mentioned was the scariness of going to therapy and the fear that exists around making that decision to jump in and even the medication side of it. And I think the fear of of making that first step is probably one of the biggest barriers for people to engaging in the emotional health side of their life. Like, John Paul, I'm a pastor, and if I start going to therapy, what are people going to say? What does that mean about my job? What, you know, all the cascading things that build up fear for us to where we just brush it away. And I think that's, that's something that Crystal and I dealt with, and we've told this story before. When We didn't go to counseling when I was a student pastor in Virginia for a lot of those same reasons. How can we be the people that everybody's coming to with their struggles and be the ones that are in need of someone to speak in, which is completely a pride thing. Yeah. But just feeling that, oh, well, God has called us to be the one with the answers. So we, we can't be the one that the ones that are in need of the answers. And the same thing. What if somebody that is in our ministry or just goes to our church is sitting in the lobby when we walk into the counseling office, then what are they going to think? You know, is the rumor mill going to go around? Oh, they're getting a divorce. Clearly they're in here to see if they can patch things up, you know, or. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think there's such a stigma around even just the words, mental health or therapy. Um, There's just a negative stigma around it. And going to therapy doesn't even necessarily mean that you're unhealthy. It's, it's a, it's an intentional step you're taking to be healthy and, I think as a driven personality, a goal, like I like to achieve goals, I would love to be able to say, okay, after 12 sessions, I'm going to be able to stop going to therapy and check that off my list because I'm healthy. But <laughs> I've discovered after <laughs> after consistently going for a year that like it's just such a great thing to have time and space set aside in my schedule to go process what's going on in life. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't just talk about our traumatic experience anymore. Um, it, I'm able to process just day-to-day things and process um, how I can have conversations about how I feel with um, with my husband or you know other family members and just things that we're going through. And so I think I think it is scary out there to to think, oh man, the perception is going to be that like something's really wrong with me or something's really wrong with my marriage or I'm not a good leader. But I think now when, when I if I were to look for a mentor right now, I would hope that they were taking some of the same steps for their own personal health. Um, 
because I want I want to look up to and I want to learn from and be led by somebody who is emotionally healthy as well. Well, and the truth is, as someone who's seen as a spiritual leader, you are perpetuating for your people this need to have on the mask of togetherness when you continue to carry that, when, you, when you're always saying, oh, we're, you know, somebody asks you how you're doing and you give them, I'm doing great. <clears throat> there are those people that will say, no, how are you really doing? Yeah. And you have an option then to, to tell them what's going on, you know, depending on what, in what kind of relationship <laughs> you have with them. Appropriate <laughs> vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> or to just cover it up. And, and I've done that so many times. Really, I'm doing great. You know, yeah. And there are those people that know you well enough to know you're lying to me for whatever reason you're not willing to say. But what that does is it primes people with that continued, you know, false sense of needing to be right because you're you're a believer and God's in control of everything and it's going to be fine and we don't really have to acknowledge those things. But the more of us that would be willing to say, man, I. Every everything is not always rosy, and it's and it's okay to go to go get help and to go talk through these things and look how much better I am as the result of acknowledging that we need some help and going to find some of you know, a professional to help in this way and that way. Man, if we would all just be willing to say we're not perfect, we don't have to have it all together. I think the freedom that our congregations, that the church as a whole, would feel to all of a sudden be vulnerable and have genuine conversation about what's going on in their life would be would be a huge thing for the church. And I think to your point of it being scary, the second scary thing for me was just the fear of being vulnerable, hmm. even with somebody I didn't know. Yeah. I knew that it was going to be hard work to go to therapy and to open up and to talk about the things I was struggling with and to sort of relive what I had been through. Um, But the more I did it, the easier it became. And the more I talked to other people about it and opened up about my own healing journey, they felt brave enough to do it too. And it's, it's like you said, John Paul, like if we're all doing it, it's not weird or scary anymore. It's, it's normal. Mm -hmm. And in the church culture, it allows you to really like, speak into and lift up one another and carry one another in a much better way than this just sort of fake, like, yeah, I'm doing okay. Perception of, you know, because like you said, it skews people's perception of you too. You know, people, I've had people say to me, well, you you know, you're dealing with things so well. And I'm like, I have a lot of help, you know, (laughs) I have a lot of help. A lot of people in the corner. yeah, Yeah. And it just, it, people get this sort of like false image of who you are and, um, it makes them it, it makes them feel bad about themselves when that's just not at all. You know, you mentioned uh, it's not even every time that you talk about the NICU experience and that trauma and that, but just, just what's going on in life. And I've found that to be one of the most valuable things because now you have someone that you have been vulnerable with that is also trained and educated to ask the right questions to get you to process. And I think like that's the biggest thing for me. It's different even than talking to my wife about something because she's a great listener and great insight and wise and she's awesome. 
She's not trained to ask those questions that cause me to go three, four, five layers deeper and find something that I didn't even know was there that is actually influencing behavior and attitude years and years later. And so I've found it really, really valuable to have somebody that knows my story that can take something that might be happening at work and be able to ask the questions to help me continue processing that. And man, another huge benefit has been walking through the journey alongside my wife because it has allowed us to communicate better than we ever have, to identify with each other in a way that we weren't able to, we just didn't have the tools to before and are still developed, like it, like you said, it's not a 12 sessions and you're done. Like this is, for me, it's, it's gonna be part of my life forever now. I can't imagine being a husband or a father or in my job without having this tool at my disposal. Well, and it's like it opens up lanes of communication that you didn't even know were there. And, or it did for Crystal and I, for sure. And it allowed us to know each other and at a depth that we didn't know each other before because yeah. there, there's so much understanding of, oh, I didn't realize that you felt any of this, you know, and I, or I didn't realize that you perceived in, you know, anything coming from me in the way that, mm-hmm. that you do and vice versa. It gives you, it gives you language to use and tactics like for marriage. It's super helpful, obviously. And, and, um, when we did marriage counseling early on, just learning like how your different upbringing and your family structure and all that affects how you communicate now. And then just personally too, I, I noticed that in life when I, when I find myself in a difficult situation, I'm now able to, to deal with that situation in the moment a lot better because of the things I've learned to ask myself, you know, through therapy. So it's definitely a lifelong, a lifelong thing. What would you guys say to the person that says, man, counseling is for people that have had truly traumatic, you know, those like headline worthy kind of experiences in their life? Right. Like I didn't give birth to twins at 25 weeks and walk through a hundred plus days with both of them in, in the NICU. Yeah. Like that's not our, yeah. Yeah. Like that's not our experience. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said earlier, I just don't think there's a level of comparison there. And you don't even have to be, um, it sounds funny to say, but you don't even have to be traumatized to go to therapy. Uh, You know, again, it just, it, it's a safe place um, with a safe person to help you process the things that you're going through and to help you understand yourself better. Um, And I think like one thing that's been interesting to me is that there's so much emphasis like everyone loves Enneagram everyone loves personality tests everybody loves all that kind of stuff right like we love learning about ourselves and I think therapy is a real in-person way to do that um the the not so fun part but the part that really helps you grow is that your therapist can say hey maybe you should look at the situation a little bit differently or consider another perspective in this way and so um, I think it's just a healthy tool for growth for anybody Um, and in ministry no doubt you have difficult situations to to work through 
whether that's with coworkers or congregation or your your students, you know, I think it everybody has something to work through at therapy. Yeah. I I want to use a phrase that I wrote down while you were talking when you were telling your story to kind of answer that question and you use the phrase the your lens of life. And I think whether you've been through John Paul like the headline traumatic experience that makes you go to therapy or you're just considering what does it look like for me to be emotionally healthy this year. I think just the recognition that your emotional state affects your lens for life. Mm -hmm. And it is complete, like we think, we think that we are strong enough to push that aside and continue to live, but that is short term. Yeah, You will will burn out because of the energy that it takes to continually push that aside. Uh, the illustration that um, has been used that has helped me kind of grasp this idea um, is trying to hold a basketball underwater. You can hold it underwater. Eventually, it's going to come to the top. And if you've ever tried to hold any kind of ball underwater like that yeah. or a, like a buoy in the lake, there's a point where it breaches the surface. And when it does, it shoots like a rocket into the air. And so it is a myth that we can just ignore this side of who we are and push it aside and it not impact the way that we see and participate in life. So that that's what, I love the phrase lens of life that you yeah. used earlier. And that's what I would say to people that are saying, I don't have the trauma experience that Katie mentioned, but I don't. I don't think that's a necessity to enter into this process. Yeah. And I really found, too, just that for me, even trying to sweep it under the rug or to say, no, no, I'm good, was uh, it was prideful. Mm. Um, And finally, admitting that I needed help um, was also admitting that I needed like God to help bring healing in that area and not just sitting around and like you know, hoping it would happen, but to, yeah. to actually to get in there and to say, okay, I, you know, I am broken in these ways and I need, I need help. Yeah. And that it's something that God would use yes. as an avenue for healing. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a good thing to, to remember this, this process is not apart from the Lord's work in our life. This isn't an anti-spiritual process. It's very much a spiritual one too. And so like something else you mentioned that I, I wanted us to talk about, and John Paul, I'd love to hear from you on this uh, as, as we talk through it. What about the God is enough, I can get through this with me in my Bible type of explanation to not, to not engage with therapy or to not approach emotional health? Because, you know, there would be a crowd of people that would say, Man, if I just pray enough, I mean, and you even alluded to this, and if I'm praying for healing in this, but I'm also doing these other things, there's, there was a tension that you walked through in that. So what about, man, this is a spiritual issue, and I'm going to pray my way through it. I think my answer to that is that that is not the posture God has designed us to be in. We were designed to be in relationship with one another, and you can push back on this, but my, more and more, my belief is that when we come into this place where we feel like uh, we have a need to isolate and to do it on our own, 
it's because there's some level of unhealthiness in our life somewhere. Hmm. We need to hide this from other people because we're scared of their perception. Or we feel like we're alone in it because of any number of factors that, that are isolating. But we know that, that our enemy, that we have a real spiritual enemy that wants us isolated. And that's a piece of that, that spiritual warfare. And, and two, just our own dealing with our own flesh, feeling like we need to be isolated, like we can't be vulnerable like you, Katie you mentioned feeling even sitting in front of the counselor like I don't know that I can divulge everything to you why because we've spent so long we've spent so many years guarding all the things that we are quote ashamed of or mm-hmm. feel like we should be ashamed of that it's hard to then release that so my first reaction to that is if you're feeling like all I have to do is buckle down and do this there's probably something behind what's making you feel like you don't have freedom to be in community the way God has designed you to be in community. Yeah, that's good. Um, Tom Rayner wrote an article on depression, anxiety, you know, and just kind of leaning into the person that says, well, I mean, how, how would I know? There, there's not the headliner. There's not something that makes me say, I need counseling. Here's just... Some some markers, some things for you to consider if you're if you're a a, a ministry leader. Um, one thing that's for sure is that there's going to be an element of spiritual warfare. So you know that your enemy is working against you. What are the effects there? Can someone help you in that? Um, many ministry leaders are in a place where they've got some pretty unrealistic expectations coming at them from their people, from their staff. How are you handling those unrealistic expectations, demands on your time? You you can't be everywhere all the time. And then people react to that. And over time, that builds up and it turns into a, I can't do all this. Yeah. Um, Greater platforms from critics, he mentions. I mean, it's just... You put a message out there and everybody's an armchair quarterback and they're going to say whatever they want to and whatever on whatever platform they're going to, rarely right to your face. But when you're sitting by yourself, scrolling through everybody's responses, how are you dealing with that? Um, failure to take time away from the church or your place of ministry. So many of us don't take time away from ministry because we feel like that is the number one. And so everything else becomes becomes the mistress. Um, Marriage and family problems. I mean, if you're married or you have a family of any kind, you know that there's tension, there's, (laughs) there's struggles, there are things you need to work through. How are you dealing with it? Financial strains personally and if you're stewarding a budget at work, money is just, it's difficult. It causes a lot of stress. And then the last one that he notes is the problem of comparison, uh, which is a very, a very real struggle. I mean, if you can go through any of those and say, yeah, there's some, there's some tension in some of those, then you have a need just from the things that you're dealing with every day yeah. for someone to help you process just those things. And if you're like me, you check off all those boxes and then behind them, it's like, oh, and then there's these couple of boxes <laughs> inside all of those. Yeah that you could benefit from from some counseling in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, man, I, I think if I could boil it down into one into one statement, it's kind of what we led with and that our 
our hope in, in doing an episode specifically on this topic is that it would challenge you at the beginning of this year to think through how you're doing, not how you answer people how you're doing, like really how you're doing, and that this would be a year where you get out a notebook for just a second and say, okay, what are some things that I'm willing to do this year to become emotionally healthy? to grow in that if you think you're an emotionally healthy person awesome like how can you continue to cultivate that health because it is katie to use your words from earlier a lens of life for us we will operate out of that uh last words encouragements challenges from you guys don't be scared (laughs) (laughs) that's right therapy's for everybody it really is um it's it's such a great thing and and like you said it it is not it does not have to be separate from your spiritual life god can absolutely use therapy to bring healing so i love it well thank you for joining us yeah, today thanks for, thanks for being me. willing to share your story thank you well i know you share on social media i do your story and the journey that you're on so if people want to connect with you on that yeah, Where I'm on Instagram at Wiley, K-D-E, W-Y-L-I-E-K-A-T-I-E. Um, share our story there. If you like cute twin pictures, <laughs> it's a lot of that. That's so. the headquarters <laughs> for cute twin pictures. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, thanks for listening to today's podcast. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.